Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everyone. Mark and Steve on the PBSE podcast. This is episode 216. And you'll notice by the title, Is the Issue a Dual Sex Addiction or Something More? I don't know that we've, I don't know that we've ever addressed this on the podcast, this particular situation. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a different one for sure. Yeah, it was sent in by, we appreciate a really vulnerable, authentic spouse, partner who uh, got really raw and real about her situation and and that of her partner. And so she sent it in to us. And so we'll read that real quick and then launch into this. So she says, thank you for all the work and dedication that you've put into your programs and podcasts and for providing the community with invaluable tools and resources. Uh, thank you for saying that. It's uh, it's it's absolutely our our privilege and pleasure. For sure. Thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge. I have an unusual slash embarrassing question. I am the wife of a sober porn addict. I am a recovering sex addict. I've been attending Essanon meetings as a way to heal from the betrayal of my husband's porn addiction. And I think it's helping me to heal from my sex addiction as I'm learning that sex does not equal intimacy. And I'm learning that I need to let go of my addiction to control everything. My husband has not done any external recovery work other than white knuckling. We have realized that we have both hurt each other very much throughout our relationship. I feel like we have come to an impasse. I have told him that I cannot feel safe and secure enough to trust him unless I can see him initiating and doing recovery work. My husband has told me that I have never supported him in our relationship and I have never been happy with anything that he does. Mm. So no matter what he tries, it will never be good enough for me. So he's reluctant to try anything new. I feel like one of us has to budge, but I don't Mm. know how to move forward. I guess my question is this. 
can a sex addict and a porn addict or two people with a sexual addiction actually make it together? Or are we doomed to go in circles for the rest of our lives? I, uh, there it is. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. Um, and one that has definitely popped up in both of our clinics before. Um, there's a lot to say about this because <laughs> we, we've, we were going to kind of break this podcast, I think, down into two sections for all of you. Um, the first is addressing this, uh, the beginnings or at least a starting point of this dual sexual addiction dynamic. Because we have seen this, and this can get really complicated for couples who deal with this uh, to some degree or another. And so, like Mark said, the vulnerability around this partner being will willing to to share this um, is is huge. And so we really do appreciate that. The other part of this podcast, though, is going to be, and, and again, we just have a very small window into what this couple has expressed, is going to be us getting a little bit into a starting point for where we think this couple is the actual real problem is mm -hmm. right? and what's mm -hmm. actually going on here. Because obviously it, it goes without saying that this dual addiction piece is, is complicated. And like I said, we're going to talk about that, but, but based on what we're hearing here, I don't know that either of us is convinced that that is actually the real issue or at least the current, you know, primary issue that's, you know, needs to be addressed. So uh, with that kind of in mind, let's, let's talk about dual sex addiction for just a second, because that is an interesting uh, uh, topic. So a lot of circumstances can lead into that, right? Um, into a dual sex addiction situation. And uh, when you talk about addiction, I think it's probably important for, for us all to recognize that, like as we've discussed before, addiction happens on a spectrum, right? Ranging from what would consider more of a compulsive behavior all the way up through what we would categorize as a full-blown addiction, which carries with it usually the hallmarks of increasing consequences, outcomes, et cetera, that that continue to pervade a person's life, but the person continues on in the behavior despite that. So uh, it's not uncommon if you look at, look at this through that lens for uh, two couples who are trying to connect or are trying to find uh, connection with themselves, but who also for various reasons or circumstances may find themselves being pulled into an unhealthy, toxic sexual dynamic to some degree or another, which sometimes does culminate in, in an actual dual addiction situation. Yeah, one of the things about the dual addiction, I know there's a lot of stereotypes out there. Uh, unfortunately, in our culture, too often we hear this guy has a sex addiction or porn addiction, and we think one certain set of ideas or or, or images in our head. And, and when we hear this woman has a sex addiction, there can too often be a whole other set of stereotypes that come up in a person's mind. For sure. This is a really complex area, and we encourage everyone listening to don't fall into the trap of stereotyping what this means, right? Or there's a lot, a lot of very complex reasons why she would be sharing that she has struggled with a sexual addiction, quote, sexual addiction. And we don't know because she didn't give any details, but this could come from anywhere from uh, sexual abuse that she suffered somewhere along the way in her life, which is quite common. And we know that that sexual abuse can easily then morph into either an exaggerated expression of sexuality or a sexual anorexia that can result to extremes or anything in between. She may, uh, she may have sexual addiction components in past relationships or this relationship where she's, she's really wanting to be cherished and loved and have intimacy. And she's trying to use the sexual aspects as a way, as a way to get those needs met. 
right? There's just, there's so many ways that this can develop and be present. And she doesn't tell us what any of those are. So we need to be very open-minded and, and uh, realize that this is a very complex, diverse area. So we yes. know what that is. Oh, absolutely. And that, and the same holds true for, for, for singular addiction, right? We talk about this oftentimes in the program and, and on our dare to connect program that, you know, obviously when we categorize something like a sexual quote unquote compulsion or quote unquote addiction, we're focusing on the symptomology, right. And on the, on the existing result. Um, when we oftentimes, when we work with guys who identify as a sex addict or as a sexual compulsive or women as well, the, honestly, the, the almost is just an, just as accurate, if not in some ways more of an accurate term might be love addict. Um, yeah, true. Be, because that's oftentimes what we're really dealing with, right? We're dealing with connection that's gone completely off the rails, either because of tra- a traumatic background or past, or as Mark indicated, he, he said that very well. We oftentimes will, for example, see this happen with partners where they will begin developing behaviors or a set of behaviors that in some ways may mimic sex addiction, but it's as a result of the pressure around the sexual act and the desire of that partner to connect, right? Even though it's a very different set of circumstances, they find themselves oftentimes discovering what a sex addict, uh, what, what the, what the original sex addict partner may have discovered, which is that sex is the way to connect in this relationship, right? Mm -hmm. I try to connect in these other ways for the addict, for the original addict, quote unquote, he may never have learned that, right in various ways or maybe pornography played a role in 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 changing the arousal template or how sexuality works for him but for that partner she may find herself through a very different journey of pressure or a desire to want to maintain the marriage or the relationship or keep it going or whatever the case may be may find herself manifesting that same way right like yeah, i, I mean, want to have connection here and this is the only way he does it so and unfortunately in our culture one or both probably experienced early on in, in uh, you know, early adolescence that you have to, for example, trade, trade your sexuality for connection, intimacy, closeness, love, attention, right? Where yeah. there are too many messages in the culture that say, okay, if you'll, you can, you can trade the physical aspects for all these other deeper aspects that you're really yearning for. And so, and that's how you get your needs met, right? That sure. happens a lot. So that's just to give a couple of examples. So there's a myriad of ways in which that can happen. Okay. Now, of course, there is obviously the the option as well, where we are dealing with two people who are where who from a variety of circumstances from their background and things, whether they show up as love addicts or true sex addict, you know, they do find themselves in a dual dynamic like this. And if that is the case, then there are a lot of things that have to be done uh, to address that. Um, the first, and Mark already kind of I hinted at this is is you got to be really careful in any sort of addiction work, especially and in including dual addiction work, to not get distracted by just the symptoms, right? Um, I like how Mark put that when we were doing production. That's how he phrased it, and that's how I I wrote it. Is being careful not to become distracted by the symptoms, because it is very easy to do that in in the addiction recovery process. You know, we do need to focus on symptomology, symptom management, symptom regulation is important for a lot of reasons, ranging from legal issues to um, you know, further trauma to the relationship and, you know, a whole bunch of other reasons, trauma to the self. But if we focus too much on that and that comes at the cost of working on the emotional underpinnings and the reasons why this showed up in the first place, uh, as we've talked about before here, we, we end up, you know, trying to regulate the sniffly nose rather than figure out what's causing the cold mm-hmm. and actually fixing mm-hmm. that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, that is, that is a really important 
starting point is that if we're going to, if a couple is really going to work on this, both of them have to be in a headspace where they are willing to look beyond just the, okay, I need to stop acting out. I need to stop masturbating. I need to stop looking at porn. I need to stop this affair. I need to stop my, my casual sexual partners. Right. I need, and, and we need to look at, okay, why, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this in the first place to, despite the immense cost to one another? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Right. And, and so as, as you look at, that's why we said, as we saw this question that was written in, there, there seemed to be a focus on the symptomology as opposed to really getting down to one of our favorite questions is what's under this as we peel back the layers, what's really going on here. And we would encourage this couple and, and, and any couple that is facing something like this, that we, we, it's important to work on the symptoms because we want to get sobriety. We want to stop acting out. That is critical. But that has to be in a very proactive balance with all of the necessary emotional work, all the necessary deep work, all the relational work, right? So now we start to get into the, the realm of how do we begin to focus on boundaries? How do we begin to define what is healthy sexuality, both individually for us and as a coupleship? Yeah. And how do we now start to look at what we often talk about uh, you know, we talk about eight areas of intimacy, only one of which is sexual. What are the other seven areas of intimacy like for this couple? Mm-hmm. Has sex become the be-all, end-all, and it's kind of the, the the thing they use to solve everything? Or has it just become the, 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 the icing on the relationship cake, right? The culmination or celebration of all the other ways that they're connecting. What is this like for this couple? Do they talk about this? Do they work on it? Do they have it clearly defined? Are there boundaries around intimacy and connection and a holistic relationship? Right? What does that look like? Yeah, really, it's that it's that painting that <clears throat> picture as a coupleship, right? Of of you know looking at and starting to formulate, you know, what would a what would a, a marriage look look like? What do we want this to look like? Right? We know what we've cultivated to this point. We obviously are caught in these these really dysfunctional patterns where sex is overly infused or sometimes maybe just the standalone element of connection. You know, do we need to back off from that? Do we need to look at a sex fast? Do we need to get professional help involved? Do we need to, you know, what do we need to do to develop not just, I would say that sexual sobriety, right? But the emotional sobriety from, from that as well, so that we can focus on those other eight areas or other seven areas rather Mm -hmm. rather than Mark just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's going to need to be that, that work. Um, and that's, and, and there's lots more obviously tied to that, but that would be a beginning point, right? That would be a beginning point where if we were working with a couple where we thought that that was the primary issue, that's where we would start looking, right? Is, is, is focusing on those areas. However, <laughs> uh, and, and again, we, all we have to go off is what we've been sent looking at this, uh, specific, uh, this specific situation. Uh, what Mark and I, as we talked about it, both agree that what we're sensing here going on, as as big as the dual sexual addiction co- component may or may not be for this couple, it is not the, I guess you could say, clear and present danger or the number one threat. I think that is 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 the problem here. Um, the issues that this couple coupleship that are the main sticking point, as she indicated, right? You know, she said, you know, this. I feel like we're at an impasse, right? Um, is that she is feeling unsafe. I mean, in fact, let's just, let's just read it, right? We'll just read the quote from her submission again. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have come to an impasse. I have told him that I cannot feel safe and secure enough to trust him unless I can see him initiating 
and doing some sort of recovery work. If you recall from the beginning of this, she she described her husband as a guy who is currently sober. And it sounds like he has been for some time, but according to her reckoning, has also done no work around where that came from, what it was about, what caused it, what could cause it in the future, what he's going to do to prevent it from happening, right? All of those, none of that was ever done. He, he just, just said he's sober because he white knuckled. He just stopped. So yeah. he just stopped acting out, which again, we don't want to minimize that. That's a no. huge victory, but it's by no means a recovery. Okay. Um, so she continues. My husband told me, t- t- has told me that I have never supported him in our relationship. I've never been happy with anything he does. So no matter what he tries, it will never be enough for me. So he has gone into this full blown, really what we would describe as, and, and not saying that there aren't reasons for it, but he's in a full victim mode, right? Mm-hmm. What I've done here, I've tried things. They've never worked. Um, you've never cared about me in, in the relationship anyway. And I'm just a failure no matter what I do. So I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And as, and as we read this, this, boy, this, this went right to the heart of where we are in our Dare to Connect program this month. Right? Mm, We're talking yeah. about what's called internal family systems, meaning each of us have inside of us uh, parts where our true self, our true self that is you know, compassionate and calm and curious and connected and confident and courageous and creative, somewhere along the way from the time we're little kids, that true self, because of different traumatic events, gets fractured. It, it fractures off into what we, called, we call exiled parts. And those exiled parts, they start to engage in all these different strategies to keep themselves safe. Because being your true self, your true, uh, you know, transparent, engaging self isn't safe. And I really see in this husband that's being described here, he's got some fractured parts, some exiles that are trying to keep themselves safe in this relationship. And so what is he using? Uh, Statements like never. You have never been happy with anything I've ever done, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what I try, nothing works. Boy, do you hear self-protection strategies in those statements. And so there's a lot of work to start to be done around where, where is he coming from exactly with these really black or white, all or nothing extreme statements. And Mm -hmm. what has brought him to the place where he feels he needs to protect himself in these ways. And until he can identify those and really embrace them, he's not going to be able to get to the place where he can open up, where he can start to become transparent, where he can dare to engage in hard conversations and all the things that we're, we're talking so deeply and dare to connect about uh, this month. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, you, you should all come over and have these deep conversations with us <laughs> four times a week. <laughs> come and try our two, two, uh, free two-week trial to come and do that. But, but that that's, just, awesome. that's just a little insight into there's a lot, a lot deeper stuff going on here than just we both have an addiction. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Mark said that perfectly. I mean, I couldn't change anything that he said or even add to it. But it, but that is the stopgap, right? I mean, that is the barrier. I mean, I think one thing that the spouse said, she did say it well. If he's not willing, I mean, a spouse can be, and this is the rule in recovery, whether it's dual addiction, single addiction, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, take it out of addiction, right? Coupleships only work if both people are willing to continue to work. Right. Right. There's always work to be done on both sides. Sometimes it is more heavy on one side or another. But the minute we have one spouse who just locks down and says, for whatever the reason, 
I'm not willing to go further, whether that's a justified reason or not, progress stops. Right. And, now, what, again, we, and what happens in that, I mean, she said she's going to Essanon, uh, you know, Sexaholics Anonymous, uh, for support for partners who have been betrayed. She's going to those support meetings. It sounds like she's getting a lot out of that with her support system, not only for the betrayal he's caused, but for her own addiction, she says. And so she's she's doing work. Yep. And, and if they're not careful, what's going to happen is the gap between them is going to widen. Yes, it will. She's going to be kind of on an upward spiral, and he's going to be stuck where he is, and that distance is going to grow. Yep. When it does, things fall apart more quickly, more deeply. Yeah, it's it's not a good tra- trajectory where one's moving than the other isn't. I mean, because in order to in order to create, you know, in, in order in order for this thing to move forward, I mean, we there would be all sorts of things we'd have in the in the pipe, so to speak, for a couple that came into our office like this, right? We were discussions surrounding expressing the pain done in the relationship to one another, right? Opportunities to take accountability, possibly a disclosure if needed on both sides. Um, discussing boundaries, looking at needs, and and also examining, and this kind of goes back to the IFS stuff Mark was just talking about, examining, you know, the actions that I'm taking right now, what are those, what are they trying to do for me, even though dysfunctionally, right? In what ways are they trying to protect me, quote unquote, or or not? And how are they actually accomplishing that or not? None of that can happen if the other person is not willing to dialogue. Because Steve, you're, you're, you're so right in what you just expressed. It's not that they're trying to destroy each other. They're, they're engaging in these approaches because they have legitimate needs that they're trying to have met. Yeah. It's just, it sounds like he's got a lot of legitimate needs, but he's not exploring ways to begin to get in touch with those and learn how to meet them in healthy ways, right? Ex- expressing what they are, tapping into his own outside support system, starting to establish boundaries uh, around which needs can be met in healthy ways. He's apparently not doing any of that. And until he's willing to, or willing to open up a dialogue or have that, whether it's in a therapist's office or wherever. And again, we're not saying he may not have good reasons for that. We sh- we're sure that his pain runs deep on, and in terms of her actions and, and the things that she's done, but, but it really does come down to, does he want to continue to function in this relationship? Because the only path forward is some sort of dialogue, Right. Um, there has to be some sort of communication, some sort of opening that up, some sort of whatever. Um, if only there were a place and I dare to connect. Yeah, guys. Some of the things he says, <laughs> you and I talked about this, Steve. What really shouted at us is when he says here, according to her, of course, that he he's saying things like, you have never supported me in our relationship. You have never been happy with anything that I've ever done. And no matter what I try, it won't be good enough. Mm-hmm. When I hear a guy say those things, or or when I hear a, a woman say those things in the relationship, what does that tell me? They don't have an outside support system, and they're relying wholly upon their partner to be their, their safe place to go, their, their, their place to heal, their place to unload. I hear him saying that that's what he's made her, and she can't be that. And, then he, and so he, he has these extreme statements. You've never supported me. You're never there for me. I'll never be good enough for me. He may well be asking way more of her that she, than she could ever deliver. And he's got to have an outside support system to go to, to fill all of those roles that he's trying to have her fill. Mm. That was readily apparent. 
Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, we, we really do uh, appreciate you guys being here um, and, and listening in today. The, the, the one element that we want to just emphasize yet again, and we, we talked about this heavily in Dare to Connect this morning, <laughs> is please, 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 because uh, this is one thing that, that uh, we hope this guy will accept the invite, the challenge, whatever you want to call it for. But for all of you out there, um, if you are struggling uh, in your recovery, rec- recovery process, what, wherever you find yourself, the, be it the addict, the partner, the very first place you should look at are two things. One, do I really have a support system okay, in recovery? And two, am I, how well am I really utilizing it? Mm-hmm. Am I really leveraging it the way that I need to leverage it? Am I getting, am I using it as a space to be raw, authentic, real process to get through things, to work on issues, et cetera? Because the only way uh, I, we just, we have never once seen a person, Mark and I talked about this before and I, I know I haven't, I never in 20 years, have I seen a person get better in isolation in, in addiction or in trauma? It just yeah. does not happen. Just can't go it alone. Um, and, so please, and you please. can't exclusively have your partner as, as your go-to place. No. You, you in just, fact, in many cases, your partner can't be your go-to place at all. Right. Because either they're the source of your pain or you're the source of theirs. That's yep. the reality of it. You can have again, to have other people involved. Can I embrace that and say, I know I realize I need to go tap into my outside support system to go do my personal healing, my personal recovery, all of the, all of the personal, you know, uh, addressing of my wounds so that as we each individually go and do that, now we can come back and truly show up for each other. But you can't do all that work enmeshed with each other. I'm seeing a future... Dare to connect or PBSC session uh, going through that because that is something we can't emphasize enough. So please take a look at that, whether it's dare to connect a therapist, a 12 step group, something, please, please make sure you have that short up uh, guys. Thanks again, as always uh, we would love to have you come and explore with us and go deeper with us on the dare to connect program, 30 hours of content, a m- over 30 hours of content a month for the cost of a couple of therapy sessions, uh, support groups, uh, sessions at least every every three days, if not every other day. Constant tag teaming with recovery. Uh, come on over. We'd love to have you join us. You can find out more information about that and the free trial for Dare to Connect at daretoconnectnow.com. And as always, if you would like to get on the waiting list of of submissions for the podcast, because it is a waiting list now, um, uh, we are working our th- way through those quickly. Mark, I think we're, I think we're like only like six weeks behind now. I uh, more like eight or nine. Eight or nine. Okay. Eight or nine. <laughs> <laughs> You're also welcome to send us submissions for that as well at pbscpodcast.com. And uh, you can send those there. One last thing that I actually wanted to mention, we don't ever talk about this hardly, but if you are ever looking for a podcast to be addressed, because we do have a long waiting list, sometimes if you go back in, in the episodes, you will find that that topic that you were wanting addressed has been talked about before. If you go to pbscpodcast.com, up at the top on the menu navigation bar, there is a button that says blog. Uh, Mark is kind enough to do a post each week that has content and keywords that are connected to each podcast episode that we do, and they are all housed there, all the ones that we've ever done. So if you are looking for information, you want to send us a submission before you send it to us, not that we wouldn't love to address it or have it, please check there first. Do a quick search. You might be amazed on uh, at what you find. And that might get you an answer quicker uh, as well. So Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for your your support. We love all of you and uh, are just amazed at the courage and and willingness that you show every day. And we will look forward to picking things back up on our next episode. Have a great day, guys. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.